Welcome back to the Warehouse Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jesse. And I'm Eli. And we're your number one Orioles podcast. Uh, not really, but that just sounds cool to say when podcasts say that. So we're, no, no, we're number one in your hearts. Yeah, we're an Orioles podcast. Uh, <laughs> we are exactly one Orioles podcast. Yeah, I, I am not going to be able to get over this <laughs> intro for a while. Okay? This is this is a great intro. I love it. I got to say. Well, thank you, Jesse. It just came to me to say that we are one of an or one of the Orioles podcasts out there, and we appreciate you for listening to us. You're one of the three thousand or so folks that listens to us on a bi monthly basis, so we really appreciate it. Yeah, we don't count them exactly, <laughs> but you know, yeah, yeah, it, it hovers, it hovers. Jesse, Jesse likes to ask about the stats right before we hit the record button, so those are those are fresh off. Well, the if process. we're a baseball podcast, <laughs> we got to care about the stats, right? I mean, that's what baseball is all about, right? Well, so. you got to run your own race, Jess. You got to run yeah. your own race. So yeah, that's right. what we do here. We don't we don't look at anything. We don't even listen to our own podcast to check for quality assurance. We just plow ahead um, yep. around here. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Uh, this is an Orioles pot. This is an Orioles podcast, and uh, since we last recorded, if these stats are to be believed, right, Jess, on our outline that Eli has put together for us, uh, the Orioles are eight and six since our last recording. We are currently recording during a game at the moment, so that could change a little bit between uh, recording and release, but uh, they've split a four game series with the Angels, they swept a series in Toronto, which was huge. Took two out of three from another big series against the Yankees. Lost two out of three to the Rangers. And then yesterday before recording now, they lost the opening game of this series with the Guardians. That's become a theme for the Orioles lately is losing the opening game of a series after they had won the opening series, opening game of like the first 13 series of the year. Yeah, the exact reverse, right? Yeah. And and, uh, I mean, we are winning this game 7-1 right now. So it's looking good, but you never know. High confidence that it'll end well. Absolutely. Especially with this Guardians offense. It's pretty rough. I mean, it's any team in the AL Central right now is kind of fun to play because I think it's still accurate now to say every team in the AL East would be leading the AL Central record-wise. I think the Blue Jays would be tied with the Twins or something. Yeah, the Blue Jays would be tied with the Twins right now. And yeah, it's been a meme for a couple weeks now that if you just take a screenshot because the AL East, AL Central, and AL West are always in that order in the standings. If you just take a screenshot of the first two, it's like one big division listed yeah. in the correct descending order. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, how, yeah. like how it used to be when it was just the AL and the NL, right? Exactly. Right. Well, plus the West. You'd have to have the West. Right, not there. including the West. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so not We're, quite. I was just going to give it to him and move on. <laughs> you know. Just move on. But uh, yeah, so we... <laughs> We get some games against the Guardians this week. Hopefully, you get a couple wins. Uh, maybe see some future trade targets. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but the big news of the week happened on uh, Monday. Unfortunately, Cedric Mullins exited the game with a grade two strain in his groin that was in the abductor muscle. Um, I wouldn't have known where that was, so it's in the groin. So that's cool to know. And he suffered it while running out of ground ball. A ground ball that Jesse says he would have beaten out normally, right, Jess? That's he your clearly, clearly <laughs> would have beat that out. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, But he didn't and is now on the IL. Uh, for the moment, it's the 10-day IL. However, apparently Brandon Hyde said there was some good news there on the scans and his timeout's going to be measured in weeks rather than months. 
Now, how many weeks? We don't know. It could be six weeks because that's fewer than two months, which would still be a bummer. But um, huge blow. Do we want to talk about the blow that just losing Cedric Mullins is first, I think, before we get into the move that happened today? Uh, Eli, I mean, how big of a deal is it that the Orioles lost Cedric Mullins for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I went ahead um, and just like quickly scanned uh, baseball reference and fan graphs just to get the overall picture. Um, and it was kind of hilarious. Cedric is this rare point of harmony between the two. He's got 1.8 B war and F war and their offensive metrics, OPS plus and WRC plus he's 32% better than league average on both of them. Um, he obviously provides defensive value. Baseball savant has him in the 91st percentile for outs above average. You know, the guy just like is a steady contributor in every facet of the game. He has played every game this year leading up to this point. And it cannot be understated how much the team is going to miss him. You know, I think there are, it is either him or Adley that is the most valuable presence in the lineup. You know, I think we all pretty much agree it's Adley, but um, you know, having him setting the table every single day uh, cannot be understated the impact that it has. And he's been just phenomenal this year. So it definitely hurts. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's all there is to say. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, he he's, you know, what was it uh, two years ago? He was the like the best one of the best center fielders in the league, took a bit of a step back last year. And now this year looked closer to that 2021 version of himself. I mean, huge loss, defense, offense, leadership, all that kind of stuff. I'm sure he'll still be around the team, obviously. So there could still be that aspect of it. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a bummer. I mean, Jess, do you want to add anything there as to what the loss means? Yeah, I mean, I think the Orioles have become so reliant on him uh, since he's been uh, on the Orioles. Um, And, I mean, this is his first time even on the IL for the Orioles. So missing any sort of uh, any extended period of time at all, uh, this is the first time we're experiencing this with Mullins. I'm... I got to say, I always sort of wonder how these midseason injuries end up impacting things long term. I always wonder if the rest is could be in the in the long term uh, useful for Mullins and by extension, the Orioles, uh, if we do end up in the playoffs and he comes back a little bit fresher and a little bit uh, not as worn down from the grueling uh, 162 game season that all the players go through. I think about this with pitchers more so. Right. Um I think that's a sort of more natural um, conversation uh, for pitchers, but um, I definitely think it applies to position players too. So, you know, hopefully we can, you know, maybe, maybe we can look really closely and in the future foresee a a small silver lining that comes out of this, but um, it's definitely going to be difficult. And uh, the, the eight week stretch is it, it's it's going to impact things because right we're now getting just straight off like a worse leadoff hitter and then Frazier or Frazier who would you know normally be hitting whatever seven or eight for us is now going to be hitting one so we're going to probably have a weaker seven or eight hitter uh to replace Frazier so it just sort of messes up the whole thing. And of course, uh, Frazier's OBP is not going to be as well, uh, is not going to be as high. So Rutschman um, and Hayes and Mountcastle, the hitters that follow, 
Um, Mullins normally won't have the same number of guys on base in front of them. So um, offensively, it's just a problem. And then, yeah, like, of course, the the outfield configuration now. Um, Hayes should, you know, we'll probably do a pretty decent job covering uh, for him in center. But then that also, you know, he's moving over from left. So if it's not McKenna in left, we're probably going to have a slightly worse defense um, in the outfield. And so, yeah, it just uh, all that to say, it just messes things up for the <laughs> Orioles. Uh, it just makes yeah. things uh, worse and it makes the Orioles bat uh, a worse team than they were with Mullins. So, yeah, this is yeah, the trickle down economics of an injury in baseball. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say the butterfly effect, but that works, too, because trickle down <laughs> economics, as we all know, isn't a thing that doesn't work. Whereas yes. Cedric Mullins does work at the top of the lineup. So that's Correct. the difference there. Right. Um, but I want to go back to what you said about getting some rest just for, for the long stretch run. Cause I think there's some validity there, you know, there's obviously you don't want to play or hurt, but when they're rehabbing or, or working out or whatever to get back from injury, they're not putting themselves through the grueling uh, season that they normally would. I think this is not relevant to Mullins in particular, but I think the Orioles had a couple of Ravens players at the game uh, a few weeks ago or whatever. And I think it was Marlon Humphrey who, if anybody's a Ravens fan that listens, he's a bit of a goofball and he's always good for a quote or whatever. But he said he was talking to Grayson Rodriguez, uh, who's going to be another topic here in just a second. And Grayson was telling him like, yeah, like after a start, my body hurts like for the entire five days it takes for me to recover from that outing, you know, and, and that's real. And that's a rookie who, is as young as any player in the league and is as fresh as possible, he hurts. Um, now, it's not probably quite as significant for a, uh, a position player because they're not literally putting 100% effort into every single pitch of a game, but still... 90 to 100 times over and right. over. But right. the principle is the same, you know, and I'm sure they are worn down day after day. Um, it's been a topic on this podcast recently, and I think even some chatter online, of how little time off some of the Orioles' most important players get. Uh, Adley Rutschman has, I think he just had his first day off yesterday. We were talking before. Mullins, I think prior to this, had maybe had one day off the whole season. Mountcastle doesn't get very many days off. Adam Frazier now doesn't get many days off. Um, and I don't know if that's something that the Orioles want to revisit a little bit and say, hey, it's okay to give guys a day off. Not, I'm not saying Mullins got hurt because of that, but I don't think it probably helped at all. So I don't know, Jess, if you have any thoughts in terms of like how the Orioles are using their players. I know we did talk about this probably a month ago, maybe a little less than that. Um, but I don't know if you have any thoughts there in terms of that and as a contributing factor to a Mullins injury potentially. I, I mean, I think, I think we talked about it last podcast. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, of course, of course it's impossible to know whether, the the lack of rest really created this injury uh whether i i mean to me it seems like more of a a stretching sort of issue right i mean like i'm not a doctor or anything but uh you know when someone pulls up like he did right uh most of the time to me that seems like a you know something was tense or something was not properly stretched out or he got stiff a little bit or, you know, I have no idea. So, um, but, uh, so I, it's hard to say whether, whether that, um, you know, it's impossible to know whether, uh, 
another couple or three days off would have helped Mullins um, prevent that sort of injury. But with that said, um, right. I mean, I think it's clear that the overall long-term health of the players is a question. And um, I mean, sort of, you know, 162 game season uh, is, is we're playing the long game here, uh, not trying to go hard to win every single game uh, at maximum capacity and treat every game like it's, you know, game four of the World Series. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's important that the Orioles start sort of making some difference, uh, some adjustments. And I mean, I think kind of, uh, you know, at least my philosophy on it, right, is that if you don't worry about the long term health of the players, you're going to I mean, Again, not to say the injury was caused by it, but things like what happened to Mullins are going to happen to other players. And you're going to lose them whether you like it or not. And you're not going to, you're going to lose them not in a way that is on your terms. They're just going to be shut down and inactive and injured. So I would prefer uh, picking and choosing situations where you can sort of compensate for, uh, you know, to the best of your ability, compensate for uh, Adley Rutschman taking a day off or Mountcastle taking a day off, uh, finding the right matchup, finding the right day of the week, et cetera, et cetera, um, rather than pushing these guys to the brink where they, uh, yeah, where they get shut down and then you have no control over uh, how they're used or utilized. They're just out and that's it. And you have to suffer. Yeah, fair enough. Eli, anything to add there? Yeah, I, it's kind of interesting. Elias uh, just had some comments earlier today, uh, or maybe it was yesterday, talking about how the Orioles were going to get through the year with their starting pitchers. Uh, and one thing that he alluded to was, you know, basically with the likes of Bradish, Kramer, Grayson, uh, Tyler Wells, you know, none of these guys have thrown even like 120 innings in a year. And he said, obviously, we can't shut down four fifths of our rotation partway through the year, especially in the midst of a playoff chase. So, you know, like, I, I just want to give credit and say, I don't think that this is something that there's a lack of foresight. You know, clearly the team is aware and concerned about it. Um, the, the things that I've kind of thought about in my head is um, because this division is currently so wildly competitive. Um, I, you know, I think that the Orioles might be in the mindset that we need to push ourselves to stay in it for this like early portion of the year until we can solidify ourselves as contenders, maybe, you know, through the trade deadline, which again, we'll talk about later, but it, it sounds like to me, you know, we might be pushing for this early portion, early portion of the year and then hopefully we'll get some reinforcements and a little bit more depth in the lineup you know people talk about having a long lineup in the sense of you have to face one through nine equally as you know one through nine in the lineup is equally as challenging to the opposing pitcher you know clearly we don't have that right now so if we could get some length into the lineup so to speak maybe through prospect promotions maybe through reinforcements at the deadline if we can get that extra arm into the rotation, uh, you know, these kinds of things can do what Jesse is talking about and, you know, create those situations where you can give people days off without totally decimating your chances at winning the game. Um, That said, you know, at the same time, we, 
we were talking about before this last night, we're losing five nothing in the bottom of the ninth with two outs and Adley Rutschman goes up into the on-deck circle, you know, and yesterday was the first game that he didn't play, but down five nothing with one out to play with is not really the time to me that we need to like make sure Adley gets into the game. And, you know, it's not, not like a critical situation. And we did talk about this last pod, but, you know, just like finding these situations where you can tell somebody that they're completely shut down for the day, they get the mental relaxation as well as the physical. uh, You know, I think that goes an incredibly long way. Um, I think what Jesse said about like pulling the muscle being a stretching thing, uh, you know, there's, more finesse than that and i'm sure they stretch out plenty well before every game but but it's like it you know there are elements of fatigue you know there are elements of of, um there are thousands and thousands of elements i guess is the point like a multitude of factors that go into these kinds of injuries and you know we can't say it definitively like we have mentioned we can't say it definitively but it can only help your chances to have had a day or two off. And that's the reason that you barely see any players playing 162 games anymore. You know, it it just doesn't make sense to push somebody to the absolute brink. Um, It's the reason, you know, Shohei is proving himself a wild, wild talent, but it's the reason that when he first started doing this double duty, he would not hit, on the same day that they pitched. And then the next day was an off day altogether, you know, and he was only pitching every six days and et cetera, et cetera. You know, like you find ways to protect your assets. You find ways to lighten the load, um, at, you know, wherever possible. And it, it does seem like the Orioles have not been doing that for whatever reason. Again, there might be some long-term strategy behind it, but it definitely uh, seems like, seems like a shortcoming right now. I, I just want to make a comment real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, so the, the thing I'm curious about, though, is you're saying the Orioles, of course, are trying to boost, uh, get as many wins, uh, seize as many wins at this point in the season. And I get what you're saying about the starting pitching and the starting pitch. You know, I'm not saying the Orioles don't have foresight. You know, I, of course, I think, you know, the Orioles have thought about these conversations we're discussing. And I get for the pitching, it's easier to say, well, let's bring in reinforcements. But you're not going to want to sit Adley in September or August either. You know what I'm saying? Like, no matter who, what position players you get to compensate for, I mean, you wouldn't even get another catcher, you know, because we have McCann, right? So if we're just using Adley as an example, Right. Like there's no day in September or August where it's going to make more strategic sense. I don't think than these games uh, to to have yeah. Adley get a rest day now. Right. 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 No, so no, no, no. I get I, what you're saying about the reinforcements for the pitchers, but for the position players, I don't see that argument as much. Well, but the point is, I mean, if you've got Colton Kowser up and he's hitting 350, you know, not to say that's definitely going to happen, but if that happens, it's unlikely to happen, but yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Or if you bring in, you know, like it, what I will say is I think the Orioles are very much going to be in the hunt for the best like value that they can get their hands on. Clearly the need is pitching and I think they will address that, but we're going to be buyers at the deadline and we have an insane amount of prospect capital right now. So to kick the can or like to kick the tires on some controllable, you know, like high level position players as well, I think is 
I mean, I think that should be expected. And if we were to bring somebody in, it's not to say that it like will ever make sense for that game right there to sit Adley, but I'm going to throw a name out there and this is obviously not going to happen, but just bear with me. If Ronald Acuna Jr. is on the team, then your lineup looks much better without Adley in it than it does, you know, right now. That's all I'm saying. So that, you know, like a, a, another big bat in the lineup to cushion the blow of Adley sitting is all that I'm well, talking about. Yeah, but I, but I think you're making these like hypothetical arg. I mean, you're not demonstrating to me, but because like you said, Acuna won't be on the team in the future, right? So I, it's okay. That's but not going to be what no, no, the no. equation is. So, but but okay, what I'm Jesse, saying Jesse, is, but... I don't think it's seriously going to improve in the future than it is now with the position, whatever position players the Orioles are going to pick up at the deadline. Well, I mean, I, I, you All know, right, well, I, I, you I, said, I, I mean, I think that's like, I mean, it's conjecture either way saying they will bring in someone who will move the needle or won't. But I, I'm just saying, I think that's probably the calculus is that once we are able to lengthen our lineup a little bit later in the year and adds, you know, like add some better players to fill in the five, six, seven and holes, that is when we will be able to sit Adley and still be able to play a competitive game, given that maybe our ace is on the mound, given that we have favorable favorable setups in other ways, you know? Right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So two quick last things. I would just say that, uh, one, because the Orioles are playing so well right now, I actually think it would make sense and be advantageous now to find a day here and there when the matchup looks good to give them a day off instead than to try to push it now. And, you know, so I've made that clear. Secondly, though, um, yeah, I also just want to uh, point out that, uh, yeah, I mean, and, you know, the point you did make about Adley being in the on-duck circle in the 5 nothing game, the first game he got off or didn't play in right like it's you know just to make the point it's not Hyde. you know Adley is chilling the whole game on the bench and Hyde says hey pick up a bat you know I mean in the sixth seventh inning right Adley probably had a sense that he might get used was probably told it was a possibility he would get into the game and then he had to start mentally preparing and then physically preparing um to get into the game so yeah, I mean, it just demonstrates the 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 problems um, with how uh, this is going right now for the O's. Yeah, let's uh, let's just talk about Aaron Hicks real quick. So that's the move the Orioles made to uh, take Cedric Mullins' uh, roster spot. Uh, they had a free 40-man roster spot, so they didn't have to make a move there. But Hicks comes in. He'll be making the major league minimum for the rest of the season. Uh there was some consternation about this online. It seemed right away. People don't love the move. Just to give you guys some background, Hicks was with the Yankees to start the season, was really bad, had a, a, a slash line of 188, 263, 261, with one home run, two doubles, seven walks to 20 strikeouts. Um, Eli, what are, you, what are your expectations for Aaron Hicks uh, for the rest of the season? Um, and then I can kind of give my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that uh, we we really should not expect, you know, the Aaron Hicks that approached 30 bombs a couple years ago. You know, it's like, I, I, I think that he is now in a situation where he's over the hump, he's on his decline. But the fact of the matter still stands that he is like a solid defensive outfielder. Um, I think that he is, 
you know, he's a veteran. He will step in and he will be a known quantity as opposed to, you know, like Kowser right now is on the injured list. Um, we have theoretically Kyle Stowers. He's also on the injured list. You know, you have the option of bringing up one of our infield prospects and slotting Terran Vavra out in the corner outfield or slotting Adam Frazier out there. Both of them are relatively unknown quantities out in the outfield as well. So I, I think what this does is it just brings stability. You, you know, I think that it is a known quantity. That said, I'm not convinced it's really like a better solution than any of the other things I just mentioned. You know, even if you were just to like wait it out until a Stowers or a Kowser could come up, you know, once they get off of their um, injured list stints. But I think that, you know, I see why the Orioles wanted to do it. I see the value he provides in just being somebody who's been around in competitive scenarios will provide, you know, will provide solid, solid defensive value. And that's about it. Yeah. I mean, I think my take on it is uh, simply that it's, it's given all the situation, the current situation, which you just laid out, Eli, with the injuries down in AAA Mullins is out weeks, not months. Um, They don't really have another center fielder, obvious center fielder option on the on the current roster i know hayes is going to slot over there and mechanic and play on occasion but i think just given the context this seems like a fine move um he's not going to be good and and if they brought him in and you know we'll see today's the first day they've had him he's on the bench um if they bring him in and kind of just view him as like cedric 2.0 and start him every day in center and he he leads off or whatever Obviously, that's going to be an issue. They can't approach things that way. But I think if you just view him as like a fifth outfielder who like you'll pick your spots, you'll start him a day here and there, you'll start McKenna a day here and there, Hayes a day here and there in center. I think it seems fine just to buy you enough time to get somebody to come back. Um, So that's the only point where like I think everybody online freaking out about it and saying like, just give Daz Cameron a shot. Like, now look at like what Daz Cameron has done in the big leagues. And his numbers in AAA aren't even very good. Like, no, as bad as Aaron Hicks has been, I far prefer him on the major league roster than Daz Cameron. But Jess, uh, what do you think about this move? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think like both of you are saying, it's a stopgap solution. Um, I mean, right. In a different situation, I, I might hold out a tiny bit of hope. I mean, of course, Hicks is you know, uh, older now and, and clearly, uh, has lost a step from what he used to be, um, in, in certain situations, um, I would, I, I may hold out some hope that, right. Like you could say, well, you know, New York is a tough place to play, even though he played there and succeeded there and had good years there. Um, at one point um so you could say you could make those those kind of arguments and uh in a different situation i would i may reserve some hope that uh he could turn it around and it could be a new environment and a new, a new situation um and i mean we talked early in the season about getting left-handed hitters and uh you know sort of gearing our offense uh towards having left-handed hitters uh but the fact of the matter is kind of like you're saying, uh, Tyler, he's just not going to get the playing time. I think that would even allow him to be in a situation to, he won't even be given the chance to sort of have a resurgence, right? 
he won't be given the playing Hopefully. time and the opportunity and stuff like that. Right. I don't think he will. So, um, yeah. So, uh, that, you know, yeah. I mean, kind of like you're both saying, it's just a, a stopgap for the moment. It's temporary. And yeah, if, if he's on like the Orioles playoff roster or something, like something's gone seriously wrong. So. Yeah. People were comparing it to the Brett Phillips move from uh, last off season. And in a way I almost understand the Brett Phillips one more than this one kind of, but that's a different topic. But what, what I will say though, is I, I also think it, I think there's zero percent chance that Aaron Hicks is like our starting center fielder every day sure. for the next yeah. eight weeks while Cedric is out. You, you know, I don't think that's the situation. Um, so I, I do think we're going to see a lot of situations like this where it'll be Hayes moving over to center um, or McKenna playing center, something of that, that sort, and us shuffling around in other ways. Right. I think if McKenna hadn't like fallen apart the last couple of weeks, as like he has offensively, I think this move doesn't happen. But because McKenna had started really nice and now it's not going great, um, I think the Orioles felt like we need to do something because McKenna, you can't put McKenna out there every day, clearly. Right. Um, I, I mean, yeah. we don't have to get into it, but I also don't understand you thinking Phillips made more sense than Hicks. But... Well, because Phillips, <laughs> Phillips obviously off, like hitting wise, there's no value in Brett Phillips, but defensively, I'd rather have Brett Phillips than Aaron Hicks. And Brett Phillips right. is one of the fastest players in baseball so like you can see like situationally eighth inning ninth inning brett phillips in center field i'd almost feel better than i mean he's he's probably even you could argue he's better than cedric is in center field defensively now cedric is a complete package center fielder who is also very good defensively but whereas hicks at this point in his career there's not too many skills that he excels at um right so but uh, both of them would be moves on the margin this isn't this isn't going to make or break the Orioles season where that seemed to be the reaction on Twitter was like, how can they sign this guy? He sucks. The Yankees didn't want him. And it's like, okay, well, right. if he's a fifth outfielder, this doesn't really matter. Like just pretend it's John Andrioli from five years ago or whatever. Like, right. Right. Well, know, yeah. Okay. And I, that's, that's what I guess I'm saying I was confused by because, uh, I mean, I think I remember being sort of all of us being baffled by the Phillips move where this makes sense given injury and et cetera, et cetera. Oh, so. well, yeah. In that context, yeah, the, the when the Phillips move happened. Right. But as a player, mm. I can like see, you know, why I'm. You think me... Phillips was a better player than. Sure. Hicks. Yeah, right. Situationally. At yeah. this at this time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. One um, thing I will say just real quick about Aaron Hicks is that his. Um, like his speed is down below league average is in the 48th percentile. And in terms of outfielder jump, he's down in the 30th percentile. So all the stuff we said about defense might've been even a little bit outdated too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he hasn't been playing much this year because he's been struggling so much. And so, you, you, you know, like, I think those are probably small sample sizes, but, um, there is some question as to his defensive ability too. Sure. I think he's still will... a good arm, right? Or... Yeah, great arm. Yeah. Great arm. Right, yeah. I will say there was that moment earlier in the season that was kind of hilarious when Hicks just met, like, completely sort of whiffed. The... He was sort of sliding for the ball, I think, but he just, like, missed it, and it was not that difficult to catch, and Cole was on the mound at the time, and he just, like, rolled his eyes at him. And... We love it. Yeah, it was kind of hilarious. Some, yeah. some DJ Stewart vibes. <laughs> right. <in the> <laughs> Exactly. 
Um, all right, let's talk about some more bad news. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez struggled again uh, in three and a third innings. That sounded weird. Three and a third innings against the Rangers. He had nine runs, eight of which were earned on six hits, three walks, three home runs. That's been a real problem for him. Uh, optioned back to AAA Norfolk. Uh, for the time being, Keegan Aiken has been recalled, but it's a busy week. They're going to need a starter at some point, or they're going to need to figure out something for that fifth spot in the rotation currently unoccupied. Um, Eli, I think I'll, I'll go to you first, just because we kind of go to you for all the grace and stuff. But you had said on this podcast, maybe last last time we had an episode, uh, you weren't advocating for him to go down. Um, he's had, I think, two starts since then. Not great. I think the one in Toronto was okay, and this one was bad. Um, he did go down. Um, do you think that was the right call? I do. Um, okay. I, it's kind of interesting. Dan Connolly wrote an article, uh, and he actually made a pretty valid point. And the point was that Grayson finds himself in positions where uh, he is unable to command the off-speed stuff, and so he resorts back to humping up on the fastball, reaching back for that 98-99 that we all know he's capable of, and it's got great life. Um, and basically, Connolly's argument was that when he does that in AAA, that's going to be a good solution. That is going to work because he can just outclass guys, you know, because Grayson is better than a triple a pitcher. It's, you know, that's why he's one of the greatest prospects in the game right now. He can go down there and he can, you know, lose command of the slider. He can lose command of the changeup. It can get hit once or twice. And then he can say, all right, my adrenaline's pumping. I'm going to reach back for 99 and that will get him out of the inning. You know, he can get a big time strikeout at, you know, like at the drop of a hat anytime he wants to. And really the issue with him is that with him in the major leagues, when he loses command of the off-speed stuff and he humps up for 99, major league hitters are like, I see 99, like 75 pitches a game. You, you know, it's just Grayson does have a great fastball. He has a plus fastball, maybe even plus plus. But the fact of the matter is that that is not enough, particularly when they know you can't get the slider in the zone. They know that you can't get the change up in the zone. And, you know, so the thing that he explicitly needs to work on really needs to be worked on in major league games against major league hitters to kind of prove to himself that he's capable of it, to prove to himself that when the time comes that he starts losing command, he can reset. And he can, like, once again, find that conviction in the off-speed pitches and in his full repertoire as a means of attacking hitters, uh, you know, because he becomes fastball reliant and that's when he starts to get hit hard. So I, I definitely think that um, I think that Connolly made a good point that said, you know, the Orioles have command over what happens in game when somebody goes down to triple a, you know, they are telling the catchers what signs to put down more so than they are at, at the major league level. You know, Adley is calling games at the major league level. If you go down there, you, you know, like the game plan will be more heavily scripted for the catchers is the main idea. So if they say, if you see Grayson starting to lose command, maybe that's when you go spend a mountain visit. And you continue like calling for that slider. You call for the cutter. You call for the curveball. You know you you can double down on these things in ways that you can't in the major leagues. And you can accept some bad results if he isn't. Excuse me, if he isn't able to regain 
that command in the moment. So I, I think that, you know, that's the biggest counter argument to what Connolly was saying. I think that you do have the ability um, to make sure that he is not just essentially taking the easy way out at AAA and you make sure that he can like find that conviction mentally to refocus himself and start to attack hitters the way that we all know he's capable of doing. Um, we've seen him, you know, put together successful starts. We've seen him put up zeros. And so we all know he's capable of it. Um, I, I think that in terms of allowing him to work on those things, not letting the moment get too big for him, but then also in terms of load management, you know, and making sure that he can step down, throw a couple outings that are just 75 pitches. Um, I think this is also a good move from that standpoint, because I think, you know, Elias obviously said we can't shut down four fifths of our rotation in September. That is true. But if you need to shut down anyone, you be careful with the prized, you know, top 10 prospect in all of baseball. Yeah. I mean, I, I know some of the talk was that, he hasn't quite looked like the same pitcher since the injury last year. Um, that, that 98, 99, you were talking about that seemed to be not as consistently happening after he came back from the injury last year. I know he didn't have the best spring. They were sent him down. So I, I don't think the, the struggles didn't come out of nowhere. Um, I think you're exactly right that he doesn't have the command and, and when you don't have the command, you end up, that includes missing the plate entirely and, missing your spot into the middle of the plate too. And he was just getting rocked. I mean, like his BABIP is massive and that's sometimes when the BABIP's high, it's because you're unlucky, but in Grayson's case, it's because he was getting the snot hit out of him. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just what happens. So I'm, I'm fine with it too, but Jess, I'm willing to hear if you have a differing opinion or, or maybe just kind of what you're hoping for Grayson to work on. Yeah, I mean, I think if we were worried strictly about Grayson's well-being and his development, I think I would have given him a few more starts to try to figure it out at the major league level. Um, but the fact that the Orioles are trying to win games right now, I think that uh, is really the the key to why he got sent down. Uh, like Eli was saying, uh, if uh, there is uh, an issue, um, which there clearly is about... Uh, you know, innings limitations and how much he's going to be able to pitch this year. Uh, I'd rather not have him pitching right now, uh, pitching as poorly as he is. And I would just defer his innings to later in this season. So from that perspective, it works well too, when hopefully he's figured a couple things out and come can be more effective uh, in his limited innings that he does pitch for us. Um, so I'm good with the move overall. Um, I wonder how much the one start really had to do with it. I mean, he got absolutely rocked by the Rangers. Granted, the Rangers are a good offensive team, uh, but he got rocked. He gave up like nine runs and like three innings or something like that. So I wonder, uh, I guess that was just the exclamation point uh, at, at the end of the Orioles thought process that made the Orioles say, okay, yeah, it's time for you to go down. But um, no, I think, I think it's the right move. Um, you know, I think the Orioles, of course, are still planning for him to play a role um, moving forward in the season. Um, so, yeah, but we sort of where the Orioles are at, um, we do need him to certainly be better than he has been. So um, it's important that he goes and, and fixes some things. 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I think it's also good to note that he's a rookie. Struggles happen. Kyle Bradish was pretty bad the early part of last year. He went on the IL, made a couple minor league starts, came back and was a lot better in the second half and has been pretty good this year. And, you know, it, just because you're an uber prospect doesn't mean you can't go through some some uh, growing pain. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I, the, the rotation is in a bit of a mess right now with a, an open spot there. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do there. I could see a Bruce Zimmerman appearance. I know that's exciting for all of us. Uh, Drew Rahm, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what I what yeah. I can say is tomorrow, Wednesday. So like probably about the time this podcast is coming out, we will have the answer as to what's happening tomorrow. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, tomorrow is the day that we need it, uh, or else we will double up on the next man in the rotation, which should be Kramer, I think. Yeah. Kramer Kramer is scheduled for Friday already. Yeah. Okay. So Kramer's scheduled for Friday. So tomorrow's gonna have to be like I don't know. You could throw Austin Voth out there or you could do a bullpen game with the anticipation of the off day on Thursday. Um, yeah. I the think problem both is the bullpen is still is stretched right now. I mean, that's the problem with that. Yeah. But... Don't get me wrong, but we did just bring up Keegan Aiken too, who can give you two of those nine. So, uh, you know, I think that, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, I it mean, can go two, way. two out of the nine. I mean, they still got to cover seven. I mean, well, he said both. Yeah. 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 There's both also who can give you another two. Right. And then you've got, I don't know. I, I, yeah. But the point Mine is, is still you, a lot, but yeah. We can play with it a little bit um, because yeah. we have the off day on Thursday. And then I looked ahead. We also have an off day on Monday. Um, so you can get by if you need to without committing to a fifth starter uh, for another probably week or so. Yeah. I got to just say, though. If Bruce Zimmerman is back on this team before Cole Irvin ever gets back on this team, or it, it, I, I, I'm just saying. Cole Irvin was back I'm, on the team for a little bit. He just didn't pitch. They brought him up and yeah, sent I, him right I, back I, down. I, I, he pitched one inning or whatever in the blowout. Oh, yeah, a, yeah. That's right. a, I'm sorry, a third of an inning, I think it was. <laughs> but I, I'm just like, Zimmerman, I mean – I don't know. It just it just would feel like that was a complete bust of a trade. I know we still have Irvin like several more years. I know, but like if Bruce Zimmerman is getting back back on the team ahead of him, I mean, come on. Well, they didn't know. give up that much for him. I mean, I know, I know. Daryl Hernandez, who is yeah. having a nice season in the athletics minor league system, yeah. but like we got to temper expectations, but. Look, yeah. I said it a long time ago. I wasn't like wild about the Cole Irvin deal anyway, but right, I get it. I get it. But still, it. I don't know. It's just if Bruce Zimmerman gets there ahead of him, it's just that. It's, that's it's just... a spot. It's a spot start, Jesse. Let's not yeah. go nuclear on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, to refocus a little bit, I will also say <laughs> Grayson Rodriguez, in terms of hard hit percentage, just strictly the rate at which he is giving up you know, batted balls with exit velocities over 95 miles an hour. He is in the first percentile in the major leagues. Elite. You know, so Elite. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when Tyler says he's getting rocked, I mean, he is like consistently, consistently getting rocked. He's in the bottom 10% of the league in average, average exit velocity, the hard hit percentage, his expected ERA and expected Woba, expected batting average, expected slugging percentage, and how often hitters are barreling him up. So it's definitely, 
I don't know. It, Not ideal. He's in a rough place, right? Yeah. And I, I think some recalibration is warranted. Yeah. Get in the lab, Grayson. Um, Guys, let's just keep going with even more fantastic news here in our outline. A uh, couple pitchers who we hope will have important roles on this team at some point are, are experiencing injury setbacks. That would be John Means and Dylan Tate. Means, of course, had Tommy John early last year, was on pace to come back sometime in July. That doesn't appear to be happening anymore. He suffered a uh, an injury in his scapula region. That's on the back, I think. Uh, so he uh, he's gonna have, he's gonna take some time <laughs> off there. It's it's sounding like July's off the table at this point. Uh, he wasn't. I think they asked him about August, and he was kind of unsure about that as well. But he did say he still anticipates pitching in the big league sometime this year. So we'll see. I mean, the that. window is steadily closing, though. And <laughs> yeah, there's right. only one more you know, month we're, after we're, Yeah, right. We're running out of territory here <laughs> to yeah. Um, to so return. That, so that's the John Means situation. And then on Dylan Tate's side, this has been an ongoing thing apparently since November, I think Michael Elias said. Uh, Dylan Tate had a stress reaction now in his elbow, which is different from the flexor strain he was having. Uh, way back in November that caused him to also miss the World Baseball Classic. Uh, his rehab assignment came to an end because I think it was basically a month long at that point. And uh, you do get to a certain point where you kind of have to like make a decision there. It sounds like he's going to take some time off and then do another rehab assignment. Um, just just a bummer here, guys. Jess, I don't know. How, what are your thoughts about all these injuries and issues with the pitching staff? Yeah, I mean, these are two critical guys, of course. I mean means alone right without even the orioles making any moves at the deadline uh would alleviate and be so useful and so critical to the orioles especially if he were to come back and you know be what he's capable of being um i mean there's your game one starter in the playoffs or you know maybe a game two starter um if if he is you know there's some respect to kyle gibson please yeah right (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, (laughs) plus, uh, you know, if we are sort of in a playoff push or we are trying to, uh, win some extra games for seating for the playoffs and stuff like that, right. We're really going to need him. So it really is kind of a a blow that, um, the Orioles are going to have to sort of adapt to. And, uh, you know, I do think that the timeline, for his return at the point of the trade deadline will heavily inform what the Orioles decide to do at the deadline. Um, If they can expect him back and if they think that he's going to be himself, that will play critical uh, roles or that will be a critical piece of information. The Orioles will use to decide what they're going to do and who they're going to acquire at the deadline. So I think that makes a big difference. And then, yeah, I mean, seeing uh, a little bit of the bullpen getting overexposed here, you know, I can only imagine uh, what things would be like and how much better things would be if Tate was at the back end of our bullpen for us, um, you know, to alleviate some of the pressure that Baker has been under to fill so many innings. And and he's been struggling a bit, um, uh, you know, a decent amount of the time. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so, it, I mean, we were excited because about the bullpen coming into the season, 
Um, and, but there are like some long-term, in particular, long-term question marks. Of course, we've been benefited by, you know, Coulomb. We've been benefited by uh, Cano. Um, but, uh, you know, long-term, um, especially about the middle of the rotation, I mean, maybe people even still have questions about Cano long-term. Uh, but sure. even if we take him and Bautista for granted and we say, no, they're going to be solid, the rest of the bullpen is very, very perilous. Of course, Perez has taken a big step back this year. Um, so, yeah, long-term, uh, I'm worried. And I think, of course, having a Dylan Tate uh, would be, you know, a tremendous help. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would – I think you're – you're going a little overboard on the bullpen. I, the bullpen's quite good. I mean, <laughs> like every bullpen has its issues, but the fact the Orioles have like Cano, I mean, Cano struck struggled recently a little bit, but Cano, Bautista, Coulomb has been pretty darn good all year. Like have three guys like that. Everything else you figure out. Baker, Baker will figure it out, but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it more long-term, right? Like, but how, how long-term yeah. can you think for a bullpen? Well, the season, Okay, that's not that long term, but I get what you're saying. Okay, <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. I, at face Go. value, I do agree with the point that like w- we are consistently relying on like if we're to call it, you know, like tiered. The back end innings are coming from Canon Batista. That is awesome. That's great. The like middle tier innings are coming from Baker and Coulomb. And I, you know, I think predominantly those Ballman, two. Yeah, yeah, and and Bauman's been a big addition. I should have included him there, but I think that Baker is the one who's like starting to show a little bit of cracks. The only question is like with a starting rotation that is consistently going less than six innings. Actually, on the note of less than six innings, Jesse jinxed the Kyle Gibson start. He went five and two thirds today. Unbelievable. I don't get my quality start in fantasy. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> yeah, way to go, Jess. We're on a streak there. He had two in a row or three in a row. Um, he threw like 30 pitches through three innings. He was sailing, you know. Yeah, that's the, why you jinxed him. He would have done it if it wouldn't for you. Yeah, maybe. Okay, anyway. But so well, with a starting rotation <laughs> that consistently does not go six innings, uh, you know, continuing to like aggregate innings over the course of a season, I, I think that middle tier, you know, like, the Canos and Bautistas are going to be protected a little bit because you are only going to use them in the high leverage situation. But those middle leverage guys, the sixth and seventh inning guys, I think those are where you will start to see the cracks because they become yeah. the ninth inning of a, you know, of a four run game of a five run game. Um, so I understand the long-term ramifications that, you know, quote unquote long-term that Jesse's talking about there. Yeah. Yeah, um, and 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 their concerns about all these guys being overused. I mean, the bullpen has had to pick up way too many innings yeah. for this point of the season. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, yeah. I will go against you on one thing, Jess. I think that in my mind right now, John Means is a non-factor for 2023. And not that I don't want him to be a factor, but I think like if you are the Orioles front office, right at this point, he's coming back no earlier than August. There seemed to be doubt on August. And so he will come back for like, say, one month in September, and he will not have pitched on a big league mound in a year and a half. Right. A- and like to me, you absolutely cannot count on that for any kind of production. Not to say like 2024 John Means won't be a different story. I think he very much will be a different story. But I, 
yeah, John Means is a total non-factor for me in 2023. As much as I love the guy and want him to be a factor and want him to be a game two starter in the playoffs, uh, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. And so I, mean, I think you're 100 percent right. I mean, let me just say that you're you're absolutely <laughs> correct. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I'm hearing you talk about it, and I'm like, yeah. I mean. Uh, hundred percent like yeah, yeah just it's so it doesn't make any sense yeah right so michael Elias needs to go into the trade deadline and get like at, undoubtedly one top end starter you know to fill in a one or two slot in a rotation um and that's like it's almost mandatory you know i think there's really no situation where we walk away from the trade deadline without that piece in hand and can call it a success you know it's a clear clear need on the team we have all of the prospect capital available and, and and we're contenders. You know, if we have that piece, we become very, very legitimate contenders. Like, you know, every power ranking coming out right now has us in the top five teams in the major leagues. And that's what it is. That's where we are. We are at that status and we need to act accordingly. Well, yeah, and I, and the, the, you know, bringing up the needing a starter thing is just becoming such a broken record. They've needed a starter. Right, right. For a year. I mean, more than that. But you know what I mean? Like, since they've been pretty good, they were pretty good last year. They finished, what, two games out of a playoff spot. They've needed a starter for forever. That's what makes this past offseason so frustrating because it was glaringly obvious to everyone, and I'm sure including the Orioles front office, they needed a top-line starting pitcher, and they just didn't go get one. Now, you know, they're good right now, and we've talked about the whole their run differential and the Pythagorean win-loss. They're lucky to be this as good as they are. They need to take mm-hmm. advantage of where they are in the standings. They need to go get that starter. They need to go get that starter even if John Means was healthy. He's not going to be healthy. And, yeah, you're right. Even if he is healthy, who knows what kind of pitcher he is. You know, you, you can't you you can't depend on him right now. They need to go do it, package up some of these prospects, and do it. Like, that's it's that simple. It's been that simple for, for a long time now. So I hope they finally do. It's late May. we got two months until the trade deadline. Um, which that that's our very next topic. So let's just go on. Obviously the means and Tate stuff is, is a big deal Um, when they come back huge bonus, but that remains to be seen if, and when that happens. So let's talk trade deadline because Michael Elias got asked about it this week. And the kind of pull quote there is uh, we're definitely preparing all types of scenarios and their buy scenarios. So that's great. We didn't really learn anything there. Of course they should be buy scenarios. They're 14 games over 500. Like, yes. What kind of statement is that? Right. <laughs> but what he defines as by that is where the wiggle room lies, because I could very easily see the Orioles going. And I made a joke about this before. Did I say it on the podcast or before? But Rich Hill, I could see that being a guy they go and buy. I could also go them see them go say, you know what? We need an upgrade over Ryan O'Hearn as our left handed yeah. bench bat. We really need a guy that can come off the bench at the ninth inning for us. Um, I mean, in their minds, they might think that they went ahead and bought a top 100 prospect in Cade Povich last year. So that's true. We're not sure. <laughs> that's true. Because you can characterize anything as a buy, you know. They bought and they bought Yenier Cano at the at right. The they bought Yenier Cano. That's, that's right. A huge addition to the 2023. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah. So th- that was the big quote. Um, like I just said, we've got two months until the deadline, and. The thing is, like, the speculation starts when you start to look at teams that are bad and the players that they could potentially um, get rid of. And the issue is that a lot of the bad teams are in the central divisions 
but the central divisions are so bad that nobody's really out of it yet. Um, some of the names we've started to talk, I mean, I don't know, Eli, I don't know if I'll go to you first to talk about this, but uh, do you have your, your, your eyes on anybody in particular that you'll be watching for maybe the next eight weeks, seven weeks uh, that you could potentially see them in an Orioles uniform uh, by the time the calendar turns to August? Yeah. I, I mean, I think I, I'm largely going to bring up a lot of the same names that have been floating around in every, you know, Orioles fan conversation about this, but, you know, specifically because there are a couple notable teams struggling in the central, specifically the guardians and the white Sox. You know, you bring up the names of Shane Bieber, Lucas Giolito, and Dylan Cease. Um, Bieber and Giolito are both going to be free agents next year. And so, you know, it would be entering into a rental situation. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I think, you know, you have the chance to build a rapport with them and have a better chance at signing them as free agents next year or signing them to an extension this year. Um, But, you know, Cease is an advantage for that reason. Uh, Cease, like, of the three, has struggled the most this year, but simultaneously, uh, I guess you can't say... I I think Bieber had a better season when he won a Cy Young, but probably the best recent season uh, has been Dylan Cease's last year. You know, he was absolutely incredible, and he's taken a lot of notable steps backward, but if you trust the Orioles to... or You know, if you're going to trust one team in the MLB to mold a pitcher it's going to be like the Rays, the Orioles, or the Guardians. So, you know, hopefully you could rekindle some of what Cease had. And, you know, he's only like, at this point, you know, this season's only two months in. So he's not far removed from the last year version of himself at all. He still throws 96 to 98. He's still got a big breaking ball. So, you, you know, he's still got the tools. He's still got one of the best sliders in the game. So I think that he, uh, he's you know, like enticing because of that. And he has the two extra years of control on top of it. So, you know, like I, I think that those three guys are in particular, like the best combination of on a team that is struggling right now and high end talent that we would look to and be enticed by and be willing to spend some prospect capital on. Um, but all that said, you know, like you said, Tyler, we're two months away from the trade deadline and the central is such an unbelievably bad division as a whole that right. you go ahead and you look at it and it's still wide open. I think the guardians are five games under 500, but they are only three and a half games out of first place. So, <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah. So it, 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 it you don't really know where you're going to be. So speculating on these kinds of guys is, uh, I don't know, kind of a fruitless task. But it's fun to do it anyway. But it's fun. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and, I mean, that, that's uh, we, I've talked about this on Camden chat stuff and like comments and stuff. And it's tough to like just the teams that are really bad are just like so bad that there's nobody you even really want. Like the athletics. I mean, right. <laughs> there's nobody on those teams that is the traditional like veteran guy on the end of his contract that you're going to sell for you know, nothing. They don't even have those guys. And I mean, there's Not the Barry Zito days for the Oakland days. Well, yeah, yeah but Zito, yeah, well, Zito was a, he wasn't a trade guy. The Giants signed him to that massive contract. Right, right. Did. Yeah, but, yeah. And then like the Nationals are bad, but all their pitchers are young guys that they're not going to get rid of. Mackenzie Gore and uh, Josiah Gray, like they're good. They're not going right. to get rid of them. Uh, and then in like the Central, like, 
Corbin Burns was the talk all offseason. Right. Like, I'll get Corbin Burns. Well, the Brewers are leading the Central, and Brandon Woodruff's hurt. Like, they're not going to get rid of Corbin Burns. So, I don't know. We need some more stuff to shake out, see if the Padres start to blow things up. Maybe there's something there. Colorado, they stink. Maybe there's something there. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of – Yeah, there's nothing in Colorado. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. I don't know, Jesse, what do you think? I mean, any any offensive positions you want the Orioles to upgrade, Jess? I mean, we talked earlier about, like, lengthening the lineup. But I know we've got prospects we could bring up that could do that, but I don't know if you've got a position in mind. I mean, Mountcastle's been struggling yeah. a little bit. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, that's a very interesting question. And, I mean, it's it's really tough for the Orioles, I think, because they're sort of in a situation where, right, like, if you go get someone – uh, for Mountcastle's position at first, right? Well, then there's just this giant problem of, well, what do you do with Mountcastle, right? Um, and he just kind of flounders on the bench and isn't a big contributor. And uh, in order for Mountcastle to be valuable to the team, he needs to hit. And uh, if he's not doing that, then he doesn't really have much of a role on the bench. So, um, yeah, it's kind of tough. I mean... Of course, the the you know one position you could sort of hone in on is second base. Of course, we have Frazier, and um, he's been playing pretty well, and yeah. you know I've been impressed with him. Uh, but of course, there's an opportunity for an upgrade. But of course, we did just sign Frazier to you know to a contract there, hopefully to you know with the idea that he would do the job. So, um, it'd be kind of weird. I mean, you could think with Mountcastle going down uh well except that's that's not going to be an issue during the trade deadline so um I was thinking maybe some outfield help um you know maybe in left I mean I I always kind of worry about Hayes um and whether I mean he's playing great right now uh but he really fell off at the end of the season last year and it it'd be nice to have a a contingency plan if Hayes doesn't uh doesn't continue with his current success. So I mean there are kind of a lot of things, but it's it's I mean, kind of like we've talked about um in previous episodes, it's kind of difficult to sort of predict a lot of times what these guys are gonna do just because, you know, I mean Hayes, I mean the track record, you know, suggests he is he is gonna struggle, you know, when we get to the end of the year. So um so i i don't know it's tough but um yeah but there's a lot of a a lot of variability um in a lot of these guys so it's hard to sort of um hone in but i think if the orioles are going to do anything like you know a guy that would be flexible that could Mm -hmm. sort of move around um that that could be helpful so if frazier starts to struggle or uh or if hayes starts to struggle then you could kind of get a guy that, you know, you move Arias over to second and then you have an alternative, you know, that kind of sure. thing. You have someone you can plug in at third if Henderson starts to not, you know. So I think you got to start thinking about options like that. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it's that's why it's it's late May. There's so much time to go. There's so many things that could and, and will happen. And, you know, I, I think we're going to have a big prospect call up sometime between now and the trade deadline because, I just think there's some that are pushing for it hard enough that it needs to happen. And that yeah. could solve some of the stuff you were just talking about, Jess. They've been right. They've been moving guys like Jordan Westberg around, Connor Norby around. 
Um, Colton Kowser plays all three outfield positions. So, you know, that could solve an, an issue there. I, I mean, the question is, you know, to what extent uh, are you are you going to end up trusting a, a guy, a rookie, you know, in the midst of a playoff push? So not sure. that, um, you know, so it's just, <sighs> you know, it's a tough situation. It's, it's exhausting. It's, it's hard it to know. what. To, yeah, it's, it's hard to know what to do. So, yeah, at least at least for Fair me, enough. I think it's hard to know what to do. So, yeah. Well, yeah and, well, and, Oh, I was just going to say, and, you know, as far as the starters getting a one, two, I mean, like to me, it doesn't, it, I mean, we were talking, you know, Eli mentioned the names, like it doesn't matter, you know, as much like which ones and stuff like that. Um, I mean, as long as they are a solid one or a two, and we expect that they're going to, you know, continue to perform at that level um, when they get here if we get a solid one or two, they are going to be probably a one for us. Uh, um, and yeah, I mean, you had mentioned something before the podcast, Tyler, I was kind of curious about not to divert from what you were going to say here, but you know, I am kind of curious uh, what your thoughts would be on uh, you. had You had made a comment about sort of the Orioles having limitations on what they would be willing to pay up for a rental or for a guy mm-hmm. whose contract uh, is up at the end of the year. Um, so I know you, it seemed like you were going to say something and make a new point, but I was curious if you wanted to, to explore that too. Um, I, I I think my thought on that is that the Orioles front office, I think wants to support this current team and, and it's winning ways as much as not, not necessarily as much as possible. They want to support it in a way, in any way they can, but I don't, they don't seem like a group that's going to mortgage the future to take advantage of a current opportunity, because I think they, at the end of the day are always going to come back to the numbers. And if you look at a lot of numbers for the Orioles, yes, they are good. They're probably not quite as good as what their record would tell you. They are. Um, I think some of the players, Austin Hayes is a good example. If you look at some of his numbers, he's probably not quite as productive as he looks like on paper right now. Um, So I don't see the front office necessarily treating this like a hundred win team. I think they treat them more like a wild card two or three. That's going to win 85 to 90 games. And okay, we can maybe do a rental to get to that point, but we're only going to give up so much to get there. So I think Lucas Giolito is a very good example. Going to be a free agent, right? Is having a nice season, has a track record prior to last year being really good. I think on a lot of teams in the league, he is a number two. And that's super valuable at the trade deadline. I think the Orioles have the most prospect capital probably to get a deal like that done. But are they going to be the ones that are willing to do that? I don't know. That doesn't seem very Mike Elias and Sig Dell to me. I, I think the Orioles, they seem to want to come back to believing in their system and the way they build teams. And um, that's just, that just seems to be what they're going to default to now. I don't know. I, I, I would see, I look at the Orioles prospect situation and I say, we got a ton of really good hitters and that's awesome, but we've only got nine positions on the field. Uh, we don't have a ton of great intriguing pitching prospects. So I'd be willing to trade hitters for pitchers, but um, I, I could see the argument of it's got to be a pitcher with multiple years of team control or else what are we doing? So um, right. I could see the Orioles dipping their toe in, in the trade market for a a pitcher with multiple years of team control, but just probably not for a rental because I just don't think that's the way they roll because they've always got that long-term look uh, for things. Um, yeah. And- I mean, I, 
yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's all right. Go on. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I agree. I think the the Orioles front office is very well aware that, yes, we're really good right now. We're going to be even better yeah. next season, right? So if we're going to do anything, right, we would, yeah, sort of, uh, we're not going to give up a, a, a legitimate prospect who could be a real contributor for us in two or three years to just you know boost us a little bit this year right right i i agree 100 percent. exactly so we'll see we have a couple more, a couple more episodes before the deadline gets here we'll certainly talk about any rumors that come up um and get our our thoughts and analysis and all that stuff out i also Can I throw out one more name yeah go ahead how about bringing back jock peterson talk not bringing uh, him back bringing back the talk bringing back the talk of yeah oh, we were talking off. about him just over the offseason yeah as right somebody to sign you like but him, like when right? you talk about lengthening a lineup i think yeah i think that's about as good as you can get and the giants have been they haven't been bad but they've been like middling and i know he's on a one-year deal so yeah i know he's been hurt a good amount he's been on the il i think twice this year already but oh i missed that okay um yeah i'm a, i'm a fantasy owner of jock peterson and been a mm. bummer on a couple occasions because <laughs> he's he's been uh, pretty productive as he usually is offensively but yeah he's been hurt a couple times but no I, I don't think that's a bad idea I don't I don't know about Anthony Santander and Jock Peterson coexisting on the same roster right yeah. <laughs> it gets a little uh yeah corner yeah. outfield first base DH log jammed yeah but and then Jack you got, definitely can play yeah. first base so what you were talking about with the left-handed bat yeah. taking the place of ryan o'hearn he's definitely a like super version of that oh i would be into that yeah i but, could i could talk myself into that replacing ryan o'hearn with jock peterson sure yeah but but that but then that means you're sitting mountcastle i mean you're not going to get no, jock no, peterson no, 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 back up mountcastle no 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 I, it, it's like santander's in right jock is the dh and mountcastle's at yeah. first and okay. adley's catching yeah, except you can't do that every day because Adley can't catch every day. Yeah, I mean, well, for sure. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You switch things around. Yeah, it's not right, stone. Right. And <laughs> okay. I mean, you, you're trading for, yeah, he's a hired gun at that point. You put him where you want to put him different days of the week. And Right. Yeah, I don't, I like that. I like that. He and could I maybe wouldn't... even throw him over and left if he had to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't know, not a Camden Yards. I don't know. It's a lot of space out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. A lot of space out there. I, I, but, yeah. Go ahead, Tyler. No, I was just, I was moving on to the next thing. What else? Okay, you got? <laughs> I, 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 I was just gonna like you know randomly note that um you know I mean Eli said that uh you know I jinxed him with the whole Gibson thing, but I mean the Orioles game, I, you know I said it was we were gonna win this game or alluding to that. And it's tight, and the Orioles had to bring in Cano. It's a 3-1 game, so they might be bringing in Bautista. But exactly what we were saying, the middle of the, uh, you know, the middle uh, the middle innings guys, Baker and Coulomb, really struggled. So, you know. Yes. Anyway, yeah. Thank you for the play-by-play. Just, play just as, this. yeah, just, uh, <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I don't know. It just weaved so well into you know what we've yeah. been talking about so i well, felt like i had to mention it but yeah yeah and i mean we can reiterate jesse jinxed all of this yeah. kyle gibson would have gone eight scoreless right if jesse hadn't yeah. opened his mouth hadn't said anything yep ridiculous yeah and I'll, yeah now now we're using all our back-end guys so yeah it's a bummer 
It's a, yeah. it, they'll be all right. We're gonna we're gonna get the win here, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. It's gonna be great. Eat those we're words. just gonna expend our our entire bullpen to do it, but yeah, that's fine. Uh, let's we only this... think about today anyway, so we don't think about tomorrow. You know, that's the Orioles. Well, win, that's so. yeah. They play yeah. everybody every day, so yeah, that's how it goes. Um, let's just wrap it up by talking about the City Connect jerseys. I know this is a bit of outdated news by this point, but you know we're a bi-monthly podcast. So that's how it goes. The Orioles did uh, release and debut their City Connects this past week. There had been kind of a leak on them a few weeks ago or months ago maybe uh, of what the jersey looked like. Uh, and the reality was somewhat similar, although I think it was better than what the leak indicated. Uh, a black jersey, seemingly all black, but on the inside there's a pop of color that was meant to – uh, reflect the the vibrancy and the artistry of the city and also the neighborhoods of the city. Uh, and then there was also a B cap, which is the same script as the away jersey B for Baltimore. And then the, the black jerseys here just read Baltimore on the front in a font that I believe was taken from like the press uh, collection at MICA, the Maryland Institute College of Art, to connect there. And then there's the phrase you can't clip these wings both at the bottom of the jersey and inside the hat lining. Um, a lot of consternation. I think that's the second time I've said consternation on this pod. People didn't <laughs> love it. Um, Eli, I'll get your initial thoughts. What did you think about the uh, City Connects, both maybe the reveal and then what they actually look like on the players on the field? I think they look fine. I, I think that totally dumping on them is uh, is worse than they deserve, but yeah. I do kind of just at face value have a problem with like the most exciting part of the thing. And, y- you know, I get the metaphor of like, as you said, artistry and vibrancy of the city kind of being hidden behind this, yeah. like more, I don't know, industrial and et cetera, et cetera face. Um, but at the same time, it's like, that is clearly what makes the Jersey cool. Yeah. And, you know, if you are intending that the Orioles wear these, with the end of their sleeves rolled up a little bit just Mm -hmm. like stick that trim on the end of the sleeve and say you know it quote unquote hints at what's beneath you know you can keep the metaphor going you can do all this and you can just have that on the jersey yeah I, i i don't really understand like i think they took it too far putting the most exciting part of the jersey in a place where you cannot actually see it Ultimately, yeah. it's about aesthetics, right? So right. we have to yeah. judge it by what we're actually looking at. Right. Well, right. And, and the leak was like the reason everyone was like, oh, this is so boring is because none of that was turned out. So you couldn't see that the inner lining of it was actually all these pretty colors. And all you saw was a yeah. black jersey with white like block lettering on it, basically. And and the block lettering said Baltimore, and which they already have a jersey that says Baltimore. So we do. Why, we why have not one of like those. a nickname. And yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a bit of a sucker. I work in marketing, so I'm definitely a sucker for like the marketing of it. It is, it's, it. I get it. Like it does jive with how people view the city of Baltimore. Like I, I just went to a, a work thing in San Diego a couple weeks ago, and you're mingling with people that you only ever see on the computer, but you know, you're chatting. Oh, you know, where are you from? I'm here. Oh. And when you say like, yeah, I don't, I don't say, I say I'm, I'm from Maryland, like just North of Baltimore, which is true. I don't like try to pose as if I live in the city because I don't. Um, but when you just talk about Baltimore to somebody from California, they're like, they know, first of all, they know nothing about the city. And if they do, it's the wire. I've seen the wire. Yep. That's all, that's, that's all it. outsiders know. Right. And, you know, 
so this jersey kind of is that in in a jersey like the outside all black dark baltimore gets shit on nationally all the time whatever and then you know as a local who you can go and walk around the neighborhoods and stuff there is a bunch of vibrant stuff you can go see really cool stuff beyond just the inner harbor there's more to baltimore city than just the inner harbor you know what i mean like so Mm -hmm. i do get it but yeah when you looked at the players on the field the guys that looked the coolest were the guys with the socks up and the sleeves rolled up where you could actually see the color whereas like adley wore all all, everything just down because that's how he wears his uniform and that's fine but it looked kind of boring so yeah they needed to approach it a little bit differently for it to really pop but i will say the hats are going to be crazy popular those are going to be a like huge everybody's gonna be wearing those hats because people have wanted a b hat for a long time my dad always talked about wanting a b hat um so they're gonna be huge huge around the city um and in that regard definitely a success but um just any any additional thoughts there you didn't really give your take yet yeah well it's interesting uh because I feel like normally you guys would expect that I would uh, dislike something like this. Uh, you know, I'm thinking back to the celebration conversation. Uh, but uh, I mean, and and there is proper context for, for me disliking this because, uh, you know, me and Eli grew up in a household where Nike was despised. Um, so, uh, you know, there is sort of this this context for um, us not liking it. But I actually like it. I mean, <laughs> I I mean, right. I, I wish that we could see the 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 really great part of the jersey. But I I like the aesthetic of it. I like just the black. Um, I, I think it really looks cool. You know, the Orioles had that photo shoot. And I thought the pictures came out, I mean, really cool there. And the jerseys, I, I will say, I do think the jerseys looked cooler in the photo shoot than they do like on the actual field and stuff like that. <laughs> but, um, but regardless, um, no, I think that, I think the jerseys are cool. Um, sure. I think it could have maybe been a little, a, there could have been a little more than just like the plain black. Right. Uh, but overall, um, I, I mean, I have no real complaints about the jerseys. I liked how they look. So, all right. Here's a question for me: What are you guys' takes on the black pants? Um, I mean, it does look like softballish a little bit, but it's kind of just part of like the City Connect stuff. With a lot of them, a lot of them are the same like color pants as the shirts. Aren't the yeah, Dodgers I, ones all blue? Everything. Right. So, I, I just think that. Yeah, I I guess it was. It's funny. Adley was the one that was in my head too. It like you know when he's wearing the pant legs down and then black cleats. It it's just you're just one solid color. Yeah, the whole way down. And and I think I think this would have looked really phenomenal with white pants. Maybe not phenomenal, but like better. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and a black stripe or the multicolored stripe down the side, whatever. Well, because I do think like some of the fans have been buying. Obviously, the fans aren't buying pants to go with it they're just buying the jersey and i think like that seems to look kind of cool walking around the park like the baltimore looks cool in in the sun sometimes it looks a little bit like more gray than like black i've Mm. seen some pictures i'm like oh that looks kind of like a a gray jersey is kind of a neat neat idea but um yeah i I don't think it's a terrible jersey i i don't yeah right i think it's cool it's better with the sleeves rolled up they needed a little more color but some of the hate it's getting, like we talked about this before. I think the Dodgers city connects are way worse. They're, they're like straight up 
just they added a word lost dodgers instead of dodgers like it's that's bad um i think the giants one's bad people love the rockies one i don't love the rockies one so like and, and that's kind of the point of this whole thing is it gets people talking chatting about baseball on social media so in that regard it's a huge success and i think locally all these jerseys are probably received pretty well and people buy buy the crap out of them so um yeah, at the end of the day, it's just a fun thing that doesn't really matter. But you are know. you gonna get one, Tyler? I'm not a big jersey guy. Um, mm-hmm. like I'm, I don't know. I might get like a T-shirt or something related to the City Connect stuff, but I'm not a huge jersey guy of any kind. Just because I find them like kind of hot and uncomfortable, and I'd rather mm-hmm. just wear a T-shirt to the game. So I probably won't. But um, right. if you're a jersey person, I I would get one. Sure. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't dislike it. I mean, and yeah, and I know the hats are going to be everywhere. So, yeah, great about it. Cool, Jesse. Are you going to get any of this stuff? You don't really buy. Things. No, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> if you find probably one not. somewhere, though, you'd wear it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm walking on the street and uh, you know, yeah. it, one is just chilling somewhere, then yeah, yeah maybe I'll. Jesse and is. It, re- I could tell it doesn't belong to somebody and I'm not stealing it from somebody. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think that 98% of the Orioles memorabilia that Jesse owns is giveaways. Yeah, free giveaways. And so, like, I think, you know, there might be a Jason Birkin still in rotation. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brad Bergeson. <laughs> Brad Bergeson. That. Maybe yeah. some Koji Wehara in there. Well, yeah. see, that's a good one, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we do have the. Uh, we still have the Hyunsu Kim one in Korean. That's a good one too. Um, yeah, Felix PA. I've seen that one. Yep. <laughs> Felix PA, right? Yeah, have yeah. yeah. One, and I should say he's recording this podcast. Jesse's wearing a Seattle Sounders shirt. I I don't know Jesse to be a Seattle Sounders fan, so I would assume that was free as well. In some way, I, shape, or form. Well, I think actually my mom was in Seattle and got oh, it for okay. me. So, so for you, it was free. Cool. For you, yeah. it was free. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. So if you see Jesse on the streets of currently New York is where he yeah. is, um, you know, Venmo him some thirty bucks for a, a City Connect jersey. <laughs> I, hey, I wore I, I wore this shirt all day today, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Yeah, well, normally you wear a shirt well, all day. I, no, just that <laughs> you know I would have been seen in New York City. You know, oh, okay. wearing the shirt okay. yeah. in the Sounders. He was the guy in the yeah. Sounders shirt. If you saw exactly, that. yeah. <laughs> so maybe, someone ran into me. The one maybe, New York hey, listener we have. Yeah, yeah. We go ahead and we record every single morning, and we just update on what shirt yeah. Jesse is going to be wearing. That we'll day. just tweet out a picture of Jesse yeah. on Twitter every day. <laughs> yeah, right. O O T D. That's Jesse. <laughs> all right, boys. Well, that's about all we've got for this week's episode. We're we're as we're recording, the Orioles are still eking out this game against the guardians let's take a look at their upcoming schedule um before we record next because as we've said we normally do this every every two weeks or so so the orioles wrap up may against these guardians then they're going to be off on thursday before heading out west and playing a three-game set in san francisco against the giants three more in milwaukee against the brewers and then back home for a three-game set against the royals so the schedule is a bit easier these next two weeks um let's hopefully take advantage and you know win two-thirds of those that'd be great but we'll see figure out who that fifth starter is yeah 
Uh, I mean, with two off days, they don't really need a fifth starter for a little bit, right? Yeah, that's true. So, well, no, yeah, I guess I made that point earlier and then just yeah. ignored it right here. So, well, no, they'll need they'll need one in the the stretch of Brewers and Royals. That's six straight days with a game. They'll need some. They, they yeah. could do a bullpen game, I guess, but that'd be a bit of a mess. So, great. We'll see. Yeah. We'll have our answer by the time the next time we record, and maybe we'll know more about Cedric's injury and all that jazz. But um, we'll cover it all as as we get the news. Um, so yeah, uh, if you guys want to support the podcast, please subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can also go to the warehousepod.substack.com, sign up with your email address, and you'll get the podcast emailed to you instead. Or you can do both. You can both subscribe and uh, and give us our email. You can also follow the the uh, podcast on Twitter at the Warehouse Pod, where Eli is uh, crushing stuff over there. So yeah, that's about it. Um, Until next time, this has been the Warehouse Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jesse. And I'm Eli. Thanks for listening. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.